the Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast and are presented by Shady Rays. Shady Rays is having their best deal of the year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code SGPN for 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. We're also brought to you by SGPN's Draft Week. All week long, SGPN has you covered with draft props, mock drafts, and our NFL Draft Watch Party. So make sure to smash the subscribe button at YouTube.com slash Sports Gambling Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is currently Tuesday afternoon, April 25th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. And it should be a fun one because it is time to preview and give out some outrights on the only tournament this week on the men's side, which is ATP Madrid, which is the Masters 1000 event, the Madrid Open. Should be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to breaking down this tournament, but... Before I get into any of the previews, do want to recap how we did on the last episode. Unfortunately, not a good episode. Ended up going 0-2 on the lock and dog picks. For the lock, really tough beat there. Had Rublev under four and a half aces at minus 145. Bad start, got off the three aces, uh, had three aces in the first set. Then everything slowed down after that. Had one in the second set. And then, of course, it had to go three sets just to make life more difficult for us. But Rublev ended up having four. Basically, midway through the third set, I believe he was down a break at the time. So not many service games left for him. And then his fifth ace came on a second serve, probably 80 miles an hour, right down the middle. And the reason why he got the ace was because Lahovich was guessing that Rublev would hit the second serve out wide. He did not. It was right up the middle. So we lost on roughly an 80 mile per hour second serve up the middle because the returner guessed the wrong way and handed away a free ace. And that was the last ace of the match. Rublev ended up with five. Bit of a heartbreaker there. As for the dog, had the combined aces in the Rune and Dezanschult match, and that ended up losing. Relatively sweat-free, honestly. The, both guys really didn't do all that well uh, serving early on, and then the aces exploded. I'd say in the second half of the first set onward, wasn't really close. I mentioned I didn't really like any dogs over the weekend, and Lahovich won outright, so good for him. But for the most part, didn't really see much from the underdog side, and we picked a loser because of it. So either way, ended up going 0-2, and we'll look to get back on track here on Tuesday. But before I get into any of the actual Madrid breakdowns for the quarters, etc., do want to quickly just analyze what I saw on Sunday in the title matches. So first things first, I already mentioned the lock and dog picks. Rublev lost. I mentioned in passing, Lahovich won. Congrats to him. I've been a fan of Lahovich for a while, and I am happy to see him win another ATP title. Doesn't have many, but he's been around for a while, hangs in there, and it is nice to see him do well on clay, which is, of course, his best surface. I actually saw him live one time. I saw him against Nadal in the first round of the U.S. Open. He lost in straight sets, but I remember him taking the first set, I believe, to a tiebreaker. And he, you know, is a solid player, one-handed backhand, pretty fun overall. And after having a couple of bad months last year, and I think even early this year, it's nice to see him get back on track and win an ATP event. So congrats to him. As for Alcaraz, I really don't have much to say. I barely broke down the match because I thought that Alcaraz would probably win. I thought Sitsipas might have a shot to win a set or make it competitive. Not even. Sitsipas is over in Masters, uh, sorry, in ATP 500 finals. I believe he's 0-11 now, which is kind of insane. He's won a couple of Masters 1000 events, but he's never won an ATP 500 which is insane. I'm pretty sure it's 0-11. It's either 0-10 or 0-11 in ATP 500 finals, but either way, 
Alcaraz, we thought, would destroy, would win, and he won comfortably. Uh, the drop shots really destroyed Sitipas the entire match. Sitipas had a couple of unforced errors and long rallies, but once again, it was really the drop shots that really just were too much for Sitipas to handle. He gave up on a decent amount of those because they were so good from Alcaraz, and his ability to really alternate between fast-paced shots and some finesse drop shots really had Paws all out of sorts the entire match, and Alcaraz won comfortably. So that was not exactly too surprising. We did win an outright, though, because we ended up having Alcaraz to win the event in the outright show. Once again, not going to take a victory lap for it because the rest of our outrights for the week were really not good, but at least we got something. So nice job by Alcaraz to get the job done. And the other one was the most painful final for most people watching it. It was the Rune de Zanschulp final. And... Dzanchulp has never won an ATP event in his entire career. And it looked like that was going to change because uh, Dzanchulp was up a double break and Rune, whether he was acting or not, well, whatever. The point is he was battling a leg injury. So it seemed like the match was over. Uh, Zanchulp was going to serve for his first ATP title and it was really just set in stone. Then he got broken. And you're thinking, okay, you know, it happens. At least he's up another break. So he can serve it out the second time around. He did not. Uh, he got broken again. And then you ended up seeing a tie to 5-5 in the third. And at that point, you think Zanschulp's going to fall apart. Then he broke Rune to go up 6-5. So he had a third shot to serve it out for his first ever title on tour. And he choked it again. He choked three separate service games while serving for the match. And at that point, you knew it was over. There's no chance he was going to come back in the tiebreaker. And Rune smacked him in the breaker. So one of the worst choke jobs I've seen in some time. I've seen worse. I mean, the Medvedev Australian Open won against Nadal's an all-timer. Because that was, of course, the final of a Grand Slam event. And you can also mention the Coria one in the French Open final from... 20 years ago, basically. That's another early mention for one of the worst chokes of all time. Pair had a really bad choke against Papyron a week or two ago, but I think that these stakes matter. So I'm sure you could find worse choke jobs in challenger-level events or etc., but I'm going to put those in the back burner because I do think winning your first ever ATP title is going to increase the, I'd say, power of the choke job. And that's why the Coria one is going to live on forever because that would have been his first, uh, eat, that would have been his first Grand Slam title. And I believe Coria never actually won a title on, uh, or won a Grand Slam title. So that would have been his only one. That is still, I think, going to take the cake for probably the worst choke job of all time. But the point is, Medvedev, you can argue, you know, that's up there too because they were both Grand Slam finals. But still, this was really bad. Three shots to serve it out to win your first ever title and you blow all three of them? Disastrous. But yeah, feel bad for Zan Schulp. Good job by Rune to get the job done there. Uh, Rune is showing a lot of resolve. I know people don't like him because he's pretty annoying and he complains a lot and he's a bit of a whiner. Uh, not to mention the fact most people on tour don't like him because he's kind of a bit disrespectful towards other players. But either way, point is Rune is still one of the best play players in the world and he got the job done. But really brutal choke job there by Zan Schulp, and I kind of wanted to dive into that one. So in terms of recent choke jobs on ATP tour level, it's up there. I'll tell you that much. There's been worse ones, but in recent tennis, not many that are worse than that. But anyway, 
that's the brief breakdown of what happened on Sunday. Now it's time to actually get into the preview for Madrid. Starting off with the history of this event, no surprise the Nadal's won this event a couple of times. But either way, uh, to look at the history, Alcaraz, the defending champion, had the insane run last year where he ended up beating uh, Nadal, Djokovic, and Zverev in the final three rounds. Uh, Alcaraz won the final 6-3, 6-1. Zverev won the year prior in 2021 as he beat Berrettini in three sets in the final. Didn't take place in 2020. 2019, Djokovic won, beat Tsitsipas in the final. 2018, Zverev won, beat Team. 2017, Nadal won against Team. 2016, Djokovic won against Murray. 2015, Murray won against Nadal. 2014, Nadal won against Nishikori. Uh, you had 2013, Nadal beating Warenka. You get the point. So the reason why I bring up the history in this event is because it really doesn't matter in this particular year, which is a bit misleading because you'd assume, well, you know, probably with, the be with it being a Masters 1000 event, you'd have a lot of the top-tier guys being in attendance who'd be participating, and you'd probably end up seeing Djokovic in the actual field and Nadal being in the field not quite. So to list out the entire, uh, so far, the main withdrawals from this event, I'm going to tell you right now, it's really, really ugly. So to go through the overall withdrawals in no particular order, but remember, these guys are not playing and they were supposed to play. Nadal, Chilich, uh, Kyrgios, Bonzi, Isner, Brooksby, Coria, Rinderknich, Delian, Pella, Berrettini, Draper, Kwan, Djokovic, Nakashima, Momoa, or Momo, uh, Yemmer, and Sinner. So the main people to mention there, Nadal's not going to be here, Djokovic is not going to be here, Kyrgios is obvious, but he's not going to be here either, Bertini's not going to be here, and Sinner's not going to be here. So this is a Masters 1000 event with basically a, a top, I'd say, ATP 500 level competition. You have Alcaraz, you have Tsitsipas, you have Medvedev, you have Zverev, you have Rune, you have Felix, Fritz, and that's basically it. So you're looking at this list, and it's fine, but for a Masters 1000 event, especially if you were trying to project the field about four months ago, you would have assumed, oh, Nadal and Djokovic and Alcaraz and Sinner. It's going to be a tremendous field. Not quite. And as a result, Alcaraz is a minus 110 favorite, while the second favorite is roughly 10 to 1. So it's a Masters 1000 event that is a little bit top-heavy, and it's kind of one-sided if you assume that Alcaraz is going to win. But the point is, this field is okay. It's not as good as we thought it was going to be. But with injuries, and we know injuries are a part of the sport and they suck, I got to at least bring it up that it is really an underwhelming field compared to most years for the Masters 1000 in Madrid. But either way, uh, to go through the actual... Odds, once again, which I just briefly mentioned for Alcaraz, he's the favorite. It's going to be obvious. He won last week in Barcelona, and now he's going for the back-to-back -back win there in Madrid. He did the same thing last year. He won both tournaments, but Alcaraz defending champion, minus 110. Tsitsipas is a plus 1,000. Medvedev is 12 to 1. Zverev is 16 to 1. Rune is 20 to 1. Felix is 22 to 1. Fritz is 35 to 1. Musetti's 35 to 1. Rude is 35 to 1. Nori's 35 to 1. Rublev is 35 to 1. Uh, Diminor is 50 to 1. Herkaz is 50 to 1. And honestly, if, I could have probably stopped before Nori, but I really don't see much. Maybe Rublev, but I wonder about fatigue because he did win Monte Carlo, then went right into Bonjaluka 
and played in the final and then lost a three-setter. So he might be exhausted. Same thing with Rune. Uh, Ru- uh, Rune is tempting at 20-1, to 1, but fatigue's got to be an issue because, once again, he played in the final in Monte Carlo, then he played in the final in Munich, and that was also a three-setter. So Rune might be exhausted, and his foot was allegedly bothering him in the la- in the latter stages of that third set. So I don't know how much of that was acting, but the point is Rune keeping it together for a full tournament, I'm a little bit skeptical of, but 20-1 to 1 is a little bit interesting. So first of all, do I think Alcaraz is going to win the event? Yes. Great talk. Thank you for uh, watching the episode. You know, you can find me on Twitter. No, the point is I think Alcaraz is probably going to win the event. I'm going to give him out because I have to. I just think that with this limited field on clay, no Nadal, no Djokovic, Alcaraz won this tournament last year, and you're looking at the draw, it is pretty favorable. Now, he has a matchup against Rusevori most likely in the second round. I think he'll be able to handle that. Then probably Dimitrov in the uh, round of 16. Yeah, I don't really care. Uh, Dimitrov's battled some injuries, and Alcaraz will probably destroy him. Then he might have a matchup against Zverev in the quarters. Do I care? No. Zverev, I've been low on. He lost in Munich to O'Connell, so I obviously don't like the current form of Zverev. Uh, Then you're looking at probably uh, Rublev, I guess. Uh, The point is they're going down the line, and Alcaraz is favored heavily against everybody. And you're looking at the other favorites. Tsitsipas, he just beat. And Tsitsipas is still kind of a hit-or-miss guy. It would not surprise me if Tsitsipas lost relatively early. So I'm out on Tsitsipas. Medvedev has been better on clay this year, but he's still not good on clay. So I can't give him out. So you're looking at the other favorites or the quote-unquote favorites, and there's really not many guys I'm tempted by because I don't like their consistency. And I have to at least point out that Alcaraz, once again, has owned Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas never beaten him. And I, I don't see it working out for him. Now, maybe he could prove me wrong. I and mean, we saw Sissipas make a final here a couple of years ago. But once again, based on current form, he's a pretty volatile guy. And as a result, I'm not going to pick him. So you can keep going down the line here. Uh, Medvedev, no. Zverev, no. Rune, 20-1, I'm tempted by. But once again, with the leg injury and the amount of tennis he's played with no rest, I don't know how I feel about Rune either. 20 to 1 though, maybe, and you're hoping with the days off, you know, maybe Rune can piece it together. But Rune, maybe 20 to 1, I could be talked into. Felix, no, I don't trust him. Fritz, no, he's also played a lot of tennis, lost in the semis to Zanschulp, and he lost in the semis of Monte Carlo. So I'm out on Fritz. Musetti played some decent tennis recently, but no. I think Rude is tempting at 35 to 1. Now, I understand that Rude this year won a title. It was an ATP 250, and overall, he's not been that great this season. But 35-1 to 1 for a solid clay player like Root, I think, has value to it. And I want to quickly look at his draw. Uh, just to quickly pull up Root's path, I'd say it's not that bad. Matchup against probably Pear, maybe Arnaldi, but Root should beat either guy. Then a matchup against probably... A Greek spore, maybe Munar Kokonakis, but the point is Rude should be able to get by those guys. Then probably against either Musetti or Busta. So I do think at the end of the day, you're going to end up seeing Rude make a decent run here. But 35-1 to 1 for one of the best clay players in the world, I think it's an insane price, and I think I have to take it. Is it going to win? Probably not, but... I really just think you have to at least take a flyer on it. 35 to 1 is crazy. 
And to go through the actual prices for the quarters here, Rude to win his quarter is a really decent price. Uh, Rude, sorry, just pulling it up quickly. Uh, they actually don't even have second quarter odds right now, but I, he should be the favorite to win the quarter. Uh, let me quickly see if BetMGM has any odds on the quarter. But I'm looking at his overall path, and it's really not that bad. 35-1, to 1, I think, is tempting. Now, the argument is he probably would have to face off against Alcaraz in the semis, which isn't ideal, but he's going to have to face off against Alcaraz at some point anyway. So I don't know if that really matters too much. But 35-1, to 1, I think, is definitely worth a look and I think based on his overall draw, it's not bad. Rublev is in Alcaraz's region, so maybe Rublev and Alcaraz have a war. We'll see. But once again, I do think there is a decent path for Rude to make a run, and I will take him as a result at 35-1 to 1 to win this event. Is he going to? Probably not. But he can probably hedge at some point. But to go through the other outrights here, I really don't see much. Uh, Rublev, no, he's in the same quarter as Alcaraz, and he's played a bunch of tennis, so I'm out on him. I don't think Rublev's going to make it to Alcaraz. I think he'll probably lose early on in this event. Uh, basically it. So, I think my only two... Actually, you know what? Since I am a little bit limited on outrights, and I do still like the price, I might actually be tempted by Rune. To look at his path, uh, buy in the first round, which helps. Then he has a matchup against Bublik or Galan. Should win that one. Potential war there against Fakina. Uh, which could be a difficult match, but I think that Rune should get it done, and Fakina would have to beat Ramos Vinolas or Ivashka, which he should, but both guys are still decent on clay. Uh, so Rune might lose to Fakina, but I do think that is going to be a good match. Uh, probably then facing off against Herkaz in the next match. I'm not a Herkaz guy on clay. I think Rune would beat him, uh, and then you keep looking up, and you're looking at probably a uh, rude uh, so that would be your matchup there in the uh, quarters. So Rune and Rude are going to be close, just guesstimating the odds for the quarter. Uh, but I think Rude might actually be favored because Rune has played so much tennis, fatigue might be an issue. And Rude has a much easier pathway to the quarterfinal than Rune does. But I think for the sake of this, I'll give out a flyer on Rune as well. 20 to 1 for a very good clay player, a top five clay player in the world is a good price. I'll take that. So give me Alcaraz at minus 110, give me Rune at plus 2000, and give me Rude at plus 3500. And those will be my three outrights to win the event. Now for the quarters, give me Alcaraz to win the first quarter. It's minus 200. I have no interest in anybody else. Zverev, no thank you. Uh, Rublev, no thank you. Rublev, I would be tempted by if he didn't go to a three set war. Over the weekend, followed by the three-set war he had in Monte Carlo. He's played a bunch of tennis. I'm going to stay away from him. I think Alcaraz is more rested, and I think Rublev might lose relatively early on. Uh, to quickly go through Rublev's draw, though, if you are curious. So Rublev does have a bye in the first round. Then either Cressy or Warenka. Then probably Nishioka. And then a matchup against either Kakanov or uh, Batista Agut, most likely. I think Kakanov could beat him. If you wanted to take a flyer, maybe Kakanov at 16-1 to 1 to win the quarter, but I am not going to take that. I just think Alcaraz is going to win the quarter. So that's going to wrap it up for the first quarter. Second quarter, I don't have, but it's either going to be Rude or Rune. Uh, but if I really wanted to try to look through the second quarter to see if there's anybody else I'm tempted by, uh, Karenia Busta hasn't played in an attorney, so I'm not going to pick him. 
I, I really just don't see much. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't have much here. Me, I, probably Musetti would be my quote-unquote long shot in the quarter. But once again, I'm kind of grasping at straws here. Maybe Fakina for an argument, but I just think it's going to be Rude or Rune. Uh, if I had to pick anybody, though, I'd probably pick Rude because I think his draw is more favorable than the other guys I mentioned. Uh, moving on to the third quarter, you have Sissi Pasta plus 150. Felix at four to one, Sarundalo at nine to one, Jari at nine to one, Tiafo at nine to one, Team at eleven to one, Tommy Paul at sixteen to one, Evans at twenty to one, Baez at twenty-two to one, Wachovich at twenty-two to one, Echeverria twenty-five to one, Sonigo at twenty-five to one, and I'll cut it off there. I went that deep because I can see a world where a couple of those guys can win the quarter. Tossing a couple guys out though, Tommy Paul, no chance. I'm, he's not good on clay, so I'm not going to bother with him. Uh, team, yeah, no, we've, we've covered that before. Jari, I don't trust enough. Yes, I know he won an event earlier this year, and we actually backed him to win that event, but I have not been a big fan of how he's played lately. Evans, I'm tempted by. I think Evans could make a somewhat decent run here. He made the semis in Barcelona, got killed by Alcaraz. What, what are you going to do? But Evans has actually played well, and he even beat Sarundolo last week and they're in the same quarter again so evans at 20 to 1 i think is worth a look and the draw for him is really not that terrible uh he has a buy in the first round then he's facing off against either zapata marias or mcdonald i'm assuming marias i think evans could beat him uh, marias has not played the greatest tennis lately he's been fine had a good year but i do think evans with a slice could give Marias a problem in a war, and I do like Evan's stamina. Then he'd either face off against Jari or Paul. Once again, decent pathway for Evans. I really don't think it's that bad. And then probably a matchup against Sitsipas, but Sitsipas might have to face off against either Giron or Baez. And Baez, I know, lost to Atta in Munich uh, last week, but he's still a very good clay player, and Sitsipas did just make a final in Barcelona so fatigue could be an issue. But I'm not going to take Sitsipas. I don't think there's value on it for a guy that's pretty volatile. Uh, you're looking at, once again, the matchup against Baez. I'm not taking Baez at 22-1, to 1, but I think Baez could be a nice little Cinderella story who could create chaos in that quarter by beating Sitsipas. So I do think at the end of the day, I'm going to stay away from Sitsipas. I'm not going to take Baez either. I'll let them kill each other and we'll go from there. But I think Evans is worth a look. Uh, at plus 2,000. Besides that, uh, Fritz has a matchup against probably O'Connell in the first round, maybe Krajinovic, or I should say second round, because Fritz has a bye in the first round. Then maybe a matchup against Gareen, Husor, or Kekmanovic. Uh, I'm going to pass on Fritz. I don't like that draw at all. I think that draw is actually quite intimidating. Uh, but sorry, Fritz is in the uh, fourth quarter, actually. I messed that up. So, sorry. Uh, to look at the third quarter, that was kind of a spoiler there for the fourth quarter. A uh, spoiler, I'm not taking Fritz in the fourth quarter. But anyway, uh, just to quickly look at everybody else. Uh, yeah, I lost my place. Okay. So, Felix has a bye in the first round. Then he's facing off against probably Lahovich, who might be tired. Then a matchup against probably either Sonigo or Shelton. I'm going to stay away from Felix. He hasn't played that much tennis lately. I'm not really interested and facing off against Lahovich, I know he might be tired, but still, not a great first match in this tournament, so I'm going to stay away from Felix. is interesting, but he would have a matchup against either Tiafo or Echeverri, and that section there is really not a fun ride, so I think I'm going to stay away from those guys. Sarundolo and Tiafo and Echeverri 
might kill each other. So I'm probably going to stay away. If I had to pick anybody in that little section, it probably would be Echeverry at 25 to 1. But once again, I don't know how great I feel about it. It's mostly just based on odds and the fact that I like Echeverry and what I've seen. The problem is Echeverry would have to beat Tiafo and Sarundalo, where if you take Sarundalo, you get to see Echeverry and Tiafo face off first and go from there. I think the more I'm actually thinking about it, the more I'm talking myself into Sarundalo. Echeverry, the odds aren't bad, but once again, facing off against Tiafo and Sarundalo back-to-back, I think I'm going to back off from Echeverry. If he gets by, I'll be annoyed at myself, but I think that I will lean to Sarundalo at 9-1. to He's played good tennis, and looking at the actual draw, once again, he might have to face off against Felix, but if I'm not mistaken, I believe he beat Felix a couple of weeks ago. I think that was on hard court, but the point is Sarundalo did beat him, and I think that that should build some confidence for him against Felix. So for me, I do think there might be some value on Sarandolo. I thought he looked pretty good over the last couple of weeks on clay. And it's 9-1. to one. Once again, I don't think there's much value on Tsitsipas, so I'm going to stay away. Now, they did face off three times, uh, Sarandolo and Felix. Felix is 2-1. and one. However, they did face off in Miami a couple of weeks ago, and Sarandolo beat him in straight sets. So maybe that's going to build some confidence for him. And I think Sarandolo might be worth a look there at 9-1. to one. Uh, Besides those guys, I think that's basically it. Once again, I figured if I'm going to take a quarter to take some flyers, maybe you could argue Lahovich at 22-1, to one, but facing off against Felix. First of all, he has Kubor in the first round, then Felix, and he has no rest in between winning a title. So I have no interest in Lahovich. I'm happy he won a title. But with the lack of rest, I cannot take him to make a deep run here. So my outrights for this quarter, the third quarter, are going to be Sarundalo at 9-1. to I'm going to take Evans at 20-1. And I think that's basically it. I'm I, Once again, I'm probably going to be wrong here. If Sissipas runs the table, then he runs the table. But I got to take some shots somewhere. And I think this is a decent spot to take a shot. So give me Sarundalo at 9-1 to and give me uh, Evans at 20-1. to as my third quarter choices. And for the fourth quarter, this will be another one where I take a relative long shot because Medvedev is the favorite at plus 160. Fritz is at 5-1. to one. I mentioned his draw before. Not a fan. I will pass on Fritz. Nori's at 5-1. to one. Not a fan of his recent form, so I'll probably pass on him. Diminor's at 11-1. to one. G- uh, Green is 12-1. to one. Kekmanovic is 12-1. to one. Uh, Laheshka is 14-1. to one. Shapo's 14-1. to Zanchulp is 16-1. to one. Dejir is 20 to 1. O'Connell's 28 to 1. Uh, and that's basically it. So, first things first, Medvedev, he has not been good on clay in his career, but this year he's actually been okay. So, to look at the actual draw for him as a matchup against either Mur- Murray or, Vas- or, or Vavasori in his first match, which he should be able to handle, but we'll see. Then a matchup against either Laheshka or probably Shevchenko, who's been good on clay. No offense to Wolf, but I think Shevchenko's probably going to beat him there. Uh, so that could be a little bit interesting, but I'll probably give the edge to Medvedev. Then a matchup against either uh, Diminor, uh, Kachinato, Dejir, or Zanshulp. Zanshulp, I'm worried about mentally that he might just check out of this event because he blew his best chance to win an ATP title. So I'm going to probably stay away from Zanshulp, but if he makes a run, I wouldn't be totally shocked because the talent is there. I just think mentally the loss to Rune is going to linger and he might have an underwhelming effort. So I'm going to pass on him. Diminor is interesting. 
I would probably consider taking a flyer on Kachinato, but the match against Fuksovics immediately is really unfortunate. And I think for that reason, I kind of have to stay away from both guys. He's Kachinato, I like as a clay player. I really like him as a clay player. But we know Fuksovics can be tricky. And then after beating uh, Fuksovics, he would have to beat Diminur. That's a little bit too tough to ask. Uh, so I think I'm going to pass on him as a super long shot. But I do think if I had to look at overall draws for some potential long shots here, Nori looking at this pathway, it's okay. He's on a collision course with Shapo. I don't trust either guy. Uh, O'Connell has a matchup against Fritz, uh, which would be difficult, but I think O'Connell can actually handle that. Kekmanovic has a matchup against Gareen, most likely. No offense to Hussler, but I think that Gareen should be able to beat him. I'm really tempted by that O'Connell price just because it's 28 to 1, and he's actually made some deep runs recently. I think I'll take him as my serious long shot there at 28 to 1. As for my actual picks to win the quarter, I really don't like much here. Like it's, it's really a problem. I don't see much that I truly like. Kekmanovic, I think I'd be tempted by. But once again, a matchup against Green followed by either a Fritz or O'Connell, not great. Uh, so that I might pass on that. Shapo, I can't take. He's too much of a head case. Nori, I really can't take because I don't like his current form, and I don't think he's ever going to win these quarters. He might make a deep run and lose in like the round of 16, but I don't think I can give him out either. I think I'm going to take Diminor at 11-1. to 1. I, I just think that price is pretty good, and Kachinato might be in a war with Fuksovics, which might make his path a little bit easier. But looking at Diminor's actual path, uh, probably Kachinato... Then Dezanshulp, which isn't going to be the easiest. Maybe Dezanshulp loses to Dejir. But I think there's a decent path there for Diminor to get a matchup against Medvedev. And that's good enough for me. So give me Diminor at 11-1. to 1, uh, And give me uh, O'Connell at 28-1. to 1. We're going to take it a little bit light so far uh, with the quarters. Because uh, I do think that based on the draws, these could go either way. But I do think that there is some value taking some long-shot dark throws at 11-1 to 1 in Diminor and taking O'Connell at 28-1, to mostly based on recent form. But Diminor does have the awful career record against Sitsipas, but luckily Sitsipas is not in his quarter. So Diminor still a good in Barcelona before he ended up running into his arch nemesis, who he can't beat. So yeah, give me Diminor at 11-1 and give me O'Connell at 28-1. to 1. So once again, to wrap up the quarters here, uh, you have Alcaraz at minus 200. Besides that, though... Second quarter, uh, you're looking at probably Rude or Rune, maybe a flyer on Musetti, but once again, I don't have odds with me on the second quarter, so I really can't give you much because uh, I don't know what the prices are, but I'm assuming one of those guys are going to win the quarter. Uh, besides that, the third quarter, I'm going to go with Sarundalo at 9-1, to one, and I'm going to go with Evans at 20-1. to one. Uh, Both guys are, what are the odds both guys, or either guy wins this quarter? Not high, but once again... I'll take some flyer, some dark throws. And for the fourth quarter, give me the dark throw philosophy once again. Give me Diminor at 11 to 1 and give me O'Connell at 28 to 1. But that's going to wrap it up for the outrights. Uh, once again, to recap my thoughts on the actual winner, uh, I got Alcaraz at minus 110. I have Rune at 20 to 1. And I have Rude at 35 to 1. But that's going to wrap it up for the outrights. And now it's time for the lock and dog picks. But before you get into any of that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. 
We're brought to you by Shady Rays. Shady Rays, an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventure. That's not all. Shady Rays also has the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they will have your back long after you purchase. And with Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good because to date they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. And if you don't love the pair that you got, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code SGPN. For 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses, try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. And Shady Rays is also having a brand new parlay of the day contest for people who have bought their, sh their shades from ShadyRays.com using the promo code SGPN. Each day of the NFL draft, the SportsCam podcast will release a Shady Rays parlay of the day. If the parlay hits, the cash will be rewarded to one lucky listener. Go to sportscampodcast.com slash shady to get started. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. The NBA and NHL playoffs are here, and what better way to get down on some player prop parlays than over at Underdog Fantasy? Besides daily NHL, NBA, and MLB games, they've also already got NFL best ball drafts with a guaranteed half million in prizes. Head over to UnderdogFantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by SGPN's Draft Week. SGPN is holding a free NFL Draft Props contest exclusively for members of our Discord. It's completely free to join, and the winner gets $250 cash and a $50 SGPN gift card. Just go to sportscampodcast.com slash Discord and go to the NFL channel for the sign-up link. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the Madrid Open and gave out some outrights, quarter bets, etc. Now it's time to actually get into the lock and dog picks for some of the matches taking place in the round of 128. So starting off with the lock, I'm going to go to a matchup that's going to be taking place on uh, Wednesday. It's going to be in a matchup between Yibbing and Molkan, and I'm going to take Molkan to win in straight sets at minus 110. Couple reasons why. Main reason, Yibbing really, really bad on clay. Truth is, ever since he won the ATP title against Isner in that insane final in Texas, he really has not done well whatsoever, and on clay, he's been especially bad. He's mostly been just hanging around on hard courts, but he tried out clay, uh, and he ended up losing to Schwartzman 6-2-6-2 in Barcelona. But that's his only clay match of the year, so he's not exactly familiar with the clay, and he's also not very good at it. Meanwhile, Molkan's actually been playing some good tennis uh, recently. Now, he had a couple of three-set marathons in uh, in his last tournament, but still in Banjaluka. But he ended up losing to Rublev in straight sets. You know, Rublev's a top-ten player. What are you going to do? Beat Dejir, beat Papyrin, beat Daniel... Uh, and you're looking at his overall clay results in his career. He's a pretty solid clay player. You know, he's a lefty uh, bit of an unorthodox player. So I think Yibing might get a little bit, I'd say, caught off guard at various points in this match. But it's mostly fading a player that's not in good form. That's really had no history of success on clay. And I think as a result, minus 110 for Mulcan, a guy that has been very good recently on clay, a guy that made a... I'm trying to remember if that was the semi. I think it was the semis. He made the semis of Banjaluka, and then he lost. I think at the end of the day, you're going to see uh, Molkan overwhelm Yibbing on the clay, and I think as a result, this price is still very, very solid. Uh, to pull up Yibbing's actual numbers in his career on clay, uh, his numbers are okay, 
uh, but it's mostly at challenger level or ITF level. So in actual ATP events, he really does not have any history on clay. In fact, I think that was the only ATP match he's ever played on clay, which was against Schwartzman, and he lost 6-2, 6-2. Every other thing is going to be challenger, so I don't know how much stock you can put into it. But the point is, I do think based on that, you will see Molkan win comfortably, probably like 6-2, 6-3, something like that. Give me Molkan to win in straight sets at minus 110. And for my dog, I'm going to go to a matchup between Kokonakis and Munar. And for this matchup, I'm going to take the Spaniard here. I'm going to take Munar minus one game at plus 111. Coverings why main reason, it's kind of similar to the Yibbing uh, talking point. Kokonakis hasn't played on clay that much. In fact, he has not played on clay in an entire calendar year. So I don't exactly trust his current form on clay. And usually you see a bit of a transition period when players end up moving from hard court to clay and then from clay to grass, etc. Usually need a couple of matches under your belt before you make the transition. And with Kokonakis really not playing on clay since last year's French Open, I really don't think he's gonna look per- he's gonna look sharp here. Now I think that on hard court or even on grass, I'd easily take Kokonakis to beat Munar. But the point is when you're looking at Kokonakis' recent form. He had a couple of really, really long matches in Miami, including that insanely long match against Herkaz. He hasn't played since, so he hasn't played in about a month, so there might be a little bit of rust involved there. And if you're looking at his stats on clay, he has not played since the French Open last year where he lost to Ramos Vinolos in the first round. But the point is, with Munar, he has not exactly had great results lately on clay. He's lost a couple of uh, close battles. Now, he got killed by Arnaldi in Barcelona, which is a bit of a concern. But it's mostly just based on the fact that Munar is more comfortable on the surface. It is his home country, since this, this since this tournament's going to be taking place in Spain. I think there's some value on him to win by a bit of margin here. If you think Kokonakis kind of stumbles out of the gate and you end up seeing uh, Munar open up a decent lead. Now, the problem with this bet is that Munar can occasionally punt the set and lose a set 6-0, but I don't see that happening. I think Kokonakis is going to struggle making the transition. He's also not the greatest clay player anyway. He's definitely better on hard court and on grass. So you have Munar on his best surface against Kokonakis, who's on his worst surface, with a month layoff and... He has not played on clay in roughly a year. I think it's a good spot for Munar in his home country to get back on track here. But look at the recent matches. He ended up losing to Arnaldi in straight sets in Barcelona. Lost in Monte Carlo to Rublev in three, which is a decent outcome. Beat Husor in a war, but he ended up winning that match. Uh, had a match against Vavasori. That was also a competitive match there. And uh, just going down the line, once again, his results have not been that great. But he's been playing on clay for a month or so, maybe longer straight. So he should be very comfortable on the actual court or the, on the actual surface compared to Kokonakis. And based on that, I think there's a little bit of an edge with Munar. So give me Munar minus one game at plus 111. So once again, the lock and dog for the show. The lock is going to be Molkan minus one and a half sets or Molkan two nothing against Yibing at minus 110, and my dog will be Munar, minus one game at plus 111 against Kokonakis. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Tennis Gambling Podcast. I'll be back once again later on in the week to cover. I think we're going to go through each individual round here. Maybe not the round of 64, but definitely the round of 32 onward. So expect an episode basically every other day for the next week, so keep an eye out for that. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.